0: Welcome, everybody. It's time for Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives you their clients' access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available, dedicated to helping their clients with all their people-related decisions. And now let's jump into the show itself, Talent Talk Radio, with the founder and CEO G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host for the next hour. In case this is the first time that you're uh, tuning in, the Talent Talk Radio show features a wide range of guests who are uniquely talented themselves and care about talent. So in this show, we talk about talent in those two ways. First, as it relates to success and uncovering the secrets of really talented people. And second, we also talk about talent in relation to human resources and how HR leaders find the best candidates today. Hopefully you see how that works. The word talent has a couple different meanings in the business world, and this show looks to explore those two areas, as well as impact uh, that talented individuals have on, on company culture. So my guests uh, typically include CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR executives, coaches, consultants, all kinds of people that, in this space uh, from really just about every industry out there. So when I'm out at networking events or industry conferences, I have the privilege of meeting these inspiring leaders all the time. I created this forum to allow you to listen on our dialogue and hopefully learn some practical advice that will impact your own career in a positive way. So now that I've officially told you what we're going to do today, let me uh, get a little more business out of the way uh, before I get to my uh, guests. I want to thank those of you who are tuning in live. Don't forget to submit your questions via Twitter right now to add people 2 Use that hashtag talent talk. And my producer, Mike, will try to feed me the best questions and we'll work them into the show. You can also send us guest requests and any other great feedback that you might have. Uh, don't forget, you can tune in and listen on our podcast. That's generally how most people actually listen to the show. You can be one of the 72,000 people that are currently downloading and listening to the podcast every week. And we want to thank those of you uh, who are doing that, whether it's uh, at your kids' soccer practice, the treadmill, on the way to work, or wherever you're listening. We really appreciate it. With that said, let's get today's show started. My guests will be David uh, Schaefer, management consultant, and Connolly Moss, who's the NHR executive. Uh, Connelly will be uh, joining me in the second half of the show, so let's go ahead and get over to Dave. Dave, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Appreciate it.
1: So tell us about yourself and your management consulting business.
2: Well, to go back to the beginning, and I won't bore your audience with all the details, I was born in Montreal, and the relevance of Montreal is when I graduated from college, was recruited to join Northern Telecom, uh, primarily in the manufacturing of telephone equipment, was approached by Air Canada, who offered me a position similarly in working in manufacturing, where we actually did all the rework of aircraft engines, aircraft engine components. Uh, during that tenure, I was approached by IBM and joined IBM in Southern California, where I worked my way through and becoming uh, primarily a consultant to clients in the manufacturing distribution industries. later on, got my MBA and merged into KPMG Pete Marwick, where I oversaw our business practice uh, improvement as well as information technology consulting practices had an opportunity to open our offices in Taiwan, Korea, and Japan, and from there ended up going back and forming my own company. So I was very much involved in hiring an awful lot of people, seeking the appropriate talent. My company was associated with IBM as a business partner, and we grew from startup through to about $30 million in sales. The company merged in with another CPA firm, McGladry, where I spent several years there running consulting practices and then ultimately went out back on my own again to work with mid-range companies as both a consultant strategist as well as interim executive as appropriate.
1: So it sounds like once you got out of that cold Canadian weather, you you, you stayed around in Southern California for a little bit.
2: Didn't take very much. And uh, (laughs) uh, again, it was one of those paths that... uh, opened up for me, led to the citizenship, and uh, you hit the nail right on the head. And when uh, I think when I was in Montreal, I had the pleasure of seeing, for the older audience, Bob Hope perform, and he identified that the difference between summer and spring in Montreal is that the icicles start to turn green instead of stay frozen. So (laughs) you're right on, Chris.
1: I was there. Montreal is one of my favorite cities, and I was there, I think it was very late October, maybe very beginning of November when you're... And everyone was getting ready for it to really get cold, and you could just see it. things that I don't experience here. People getting their gardens ready for it to, to freeze, and you know, here we just don't do anything. The, the gardeners, you still deal with your lawn in the winter like you do in the summer. I mean, it's just something I, as a native Southern California, you don't think about. But they were walk, still walking around in shorts, and I was, you know, head to toe scarf and three jackets, and I was freezing to death. You know, yeah. this was the winter hadn't even really hit yet, so. There's a whole another world out there that uh, I'm not sure I ever need to fully experience, but uh, I'm glad I'm glad you made it out to uh, oh, I appreciate SoCal.
2: <laughs> and there's a reason why Canadian Thanksgiving is in October instead of November.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they may not be so
2: thankful when it's the dead of winter, maybe <laughs> there right? You go.
1: So, I, you know, as a as a consultant, business advisor, what is the most fulfilling aspect of what you do when you work with the company or the business leaders?
2: You know, it's it's an interesting environment. The majority of the clients I work with are what we would classify as mid-range clients, either privately held or looking to go public in one form or another. And the most fulfilling and rewarding is to recognize and see the growth of the ownership of the company, the people that work within the company, and seeing them fulfill whatever goals that they have established. It's fulfilling in a sense of When I meet with a lot of the CEOs and clients, they have a vision, and they're just struggling with how to bring that vision to fruition. And usually they know what they need to do. The consulting work is helping them lay that path, and it becomes very rewarding to see that actually occur.
1: So maybe talk about one of the most rewarding consulting experiences you have. You don't have to give us the exact name if that's a problem, but maybe something
2: real specific that really sets it apart from the others. You know, Chris, I've been asked that a lot, and I gave some thought to that uh, several uh, months ago when I was doing a presentation, and there are two organizations that immediately come to mind for me, and they're both related to organizations that provide service through their people. So in essence, their inventory is their people. And one was in the healthcare-related environment where a company that was at about $60 million in sales looking to grow and struggling with how to retain the culture, the vision, the values of the organization while continuing to grow. So the process of helping them put a strategy in place, the process of assuring that that culture and vision carried over uh, was extremely rewarding for me personally and for the ownership. It resulted in a sale of that company that far exceeded their expectations and the ultimate reward for me was watching the three partners actually take the earnings and reinvest it back into the community to do things that they truly wanted to do. The second one is very rewarding. It was a not-for-profit organization that provided service in the caregiving field. For those who are the baby boomers, in the middle and between, everybody is faced with the challenges of caring for their parents while they also care for their own kids, and it's becoming more and more predominant, and we're seeing more of a growth of the need for caregivers. Where the reward came was trying to find the appropriate talent and trying to develop that talent, and in conjunction with... Uh, several community colleges with the state of California we received grants and put together a strategy of actually recruiting for the most part single moms coming from a welfare situation providing training development helping them understand the role of caregiver working on helping them develop self-esteem and then placing them and the reward was Uh, After three years of doing this, we placed in excess of 100 new employees across multiple care facilities with a retention rate of over 80%. And if you step back and view that those were welfare recipients, the impact on the state was absolutely terrific as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're getting, not to get into politics, but I think, you know, most people, they want to work. Most people want a job. And if you're, you can find a good opportunity where they can do something rewarding that they want to do that, that, and at the same time you're helping to build a business and it's just, I hate the term win-win, but in that situation, it does really feel like a win-win yes. for, for everyone
2: involved. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So uh, maybe, um, I know you kind of had a lot of different successes in your career. We can look at your time at IBM, being the president of the company to the consulting work you're doing now. So Imagine you have a lot of different experiences or different uh, understandings of of what leadership looks like so maybe you could kind of give us some some idea about that
2: you know it it's i believe all of us regardless of the profession we're in we are a result of the experiences Mm -hmm. that we go through on a regular basis Uh, for me the the leadership training development from working with corporations truly in my mind nets down to a couple of key areas one is understanding that there's a difference as an owner of a business in identifying management versus leadership. Management, to me, is stepping back, giving people some direction, getting them involved, providing day-to-day direction. Leadership is truly having a vision strategic thinking. And for those who are listening, I'd really encourage if you're struggling, uh, particularly as a business owner, with how do you effectively define leadership, I challenge you to look up on the Internet uh, what I call or what's there as five-star leadership, which really identifies five major elements of leadership that starts with effective communication, vision and strategic thinking putting time in place to coach and develop your people, displaying initiative on an ongoing basis, and probably the most important is demonstrating unwavering integrity. And within the five-star leadership, and part of what I've done with clients, is provide them questionnaires that truly have leaders evaluate themselves against these five areas. And most interesting for those who are willing to take a chance, have their employees rate them in those five categories as Mm -hmm. well, and then come up with the appropriate steps to become a five-star leader.
1: I love when those programs are set up to not only have the top look down, but have the bottom look up, and those seem to be the ones where it's the most effective, almost, I want to say completely regardless of what the actual program is about, but I think that component by itself is so key for companies to really have a real conversation. If it's yeah. just how are you doing down over there, it's not really a conversation, right? It's just an evaluation. And right. but when they're you know okay, well how are we doing up here? What are you seeing? I think that's really
2: key. Well, it's also interesting, Chris, uh, for those who have children, uh, think about the effective communication. We all, as parents, tell our kids, "Well, we want you to do well in school." So then you fast forward the clock, and your son and/or daughter comes back and says, "I did really well." And you say, "Well, wait a minute, you." got straight c's on your report card and they say yeah but i didn't get in trouble with the principal i wasn't never late for school no problem so didn't i do very well so without effectively communicating the expectations Mm -hmm. and getting the feedback and the buy-in you're setting up a formula for failure
1: right right yeah I, i think there are certainly parents who communicate. We, we expect straight A's, right? But outside of that, I don't think if, if you don't expect straight A's from your kids, then what is it you're really expecting That's from right. them? Yeah. So very good. It's a it's a it's a good point for your for your staff as well. Absolutely. Well, I think w- when we work with a management team or a company in our strategic planning or operations, what are some of the common areas that you need to work out in order to? Th- them to really move forward effectively
2: you know it's interesting I think the biggest challenge I see particularly in the mid-range company is the inability of the leaders to delegate effectively for most companies that started from scratch people became the be-all end-all from washing the dishes to making the coffee to doing the sales and then as they grow they start to struggle with how do we actually delegate, how do we set up accountability, how do we replace some of the tribal knowledge that people have with what I call best practice and the skills to achieve the goals that need to be there. And we spend a lot of time focusing on sales and a minimal amount of time in really developing and training our people to understand what is the definition of accountability, how do I set goals, how do I meet those objectives, how do I receive that feedback. You know, it's interesting for me, Chris, in that in a consulting environment, and I, I throw this out to your audience to ask the same questions uh, on how they're dealing with their employees, and I ask my clients, I'm going to fast-forward the clock to six months, ten months, a year from now, and we're having a meeting. Have I, David, been successful in providing what you expected for your dollars? And if I get a blank look that says, well, I think so, then look at delegation to your own employees if you as a leader are not certain as to how you're going to measure success x amount of months down the road then you're going to get the student coming back and saying i stayed out of the principal's office i was mm-hmm. a good boy why are you upset with me
1: right right well one of the things i wanted to ask you about uh, kind of revolved around the idea the, the, the kind of hot topic right now of company culture and I've had the privilege of, of working uh, doing some work with any kind of startups or entrepreneurs who are looking to define what their culture is going to be when they start. And, and from what I understand about you, I think where you've been key is really helping people take the culture they have and then make sure they're maintaining it as they grow or as they look for that that large event in their company. Right. Uh, you can correct me if maybe I'm wrong there, but, but I, what I'm wondering is how do you really see, company culture or that shared vision helping or hurting a, a company if, they, if, if, if it's not really lined up correctly?
2: Well, you know, I think it's, it's devastating to a company. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, if a company comes to me and says that their main vision is that they want to grow revenue by doubling, tripling in the next two years, well okay, we can open a brothel across the street, and we can certainly double or triple revenue very, very quickly. Is that consistent with the culture and values of the organization? Now, in some cases, it may be, yes, it is, (laughs) in which case, go for it and have a wonderful time. In most cases, it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, Culture, to me, is really the foundation of what defines you. And as a mid-sized company, especially those that started In the proverbial garage, there were certain values and culture that you brought to the table. To continue to – especially if you're in a business where your service is people – the people represent you and your company. If they don't have a comparable culture, if they don't have the same values, then how they'll represent your business is going to be a reflection on you as a leader and as an owner of your business. Yeah, yeah. Do
1: you ever have to go in and
2: help a company kind of recapture
1: or you know, rekindle that that spirit that they had when they started?
2: Happens very, very frequently. You know, there's that old saying that you truly see the character of an individual when times are tough. When things are going well, everybody's a hero and everything gets masked. So you're right, a lot of times it does surface. Uh, a very quick story, I have a client that I'm working with right now where we're facing some challenges in bringing some of his business from offshore back to the U.S., and we're dealing with multiple challenges where the CEO is constantly being questioned Is this the right move for the company? Is it consistent with my culture? Is it consistent with the values? And we always have to remind ourselves. In fact, when we do strategic planning, one of the areas that we focus on right off the bat is what is your vision? What is your mission? What are the values that you espouse to? And make sure that the company understands those values.
1: Mm -hmm. Are there certain things that a company has to be willing to do in order to... I guess to really stay in, in touch or in connection with those those values over time?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's a constant reinforcement. Um, when we do strategic planning, uh, a lot of organizations comes this time of the year, the fall, getting ready for a new year where everything is exciting. They go through a motion of strategic planning. We'll take last year's plan, add 10% to everything, and away we go. Um, And they don't go back and do a check and a balance on a regular basis. So the ones who are really trying to build a foundation, one that is trying to implement the appropriate culture, is a company that puts in place the appropriate feedback, measurements, on a regular basis, and turns that strategic plan from a 50-pound document into a one- or two-page executable document yeah. that has accountability associated with it.
1: Usually what I find is that uh, the entrepreneur, the, the business leader that started early on, they seem to think either they, either they have this clear idea in their head of what that culture is or what their values are, or in most cases they just they think they have it but they don't really it isn't really as fleshed out as they think it is you know they oh they think it's just so obvious that everyone else should understand it so usually when i've been asked to come in and help it's 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 really getting them to actually create this thing right I mean, they're you ha- the handing you this piece of paper with a couple crayon scratches on it that's not a picture right i mean there's so much more that needs to go into that if you want to call it something and that's, absolutely yeah and 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 i think they almost overestimate what that what that thing is that's running their company
2: You're you know right, chris. and you know chris i mentioned the five-star leadership two of the areas in there was displaying initiative and the other was unwavering integrity well integrity is tied to the values and the culture of your organization yeah and if people see you saying one thing and walking a different direction how do you expect the individuals within your company to react yeah so.
1: I, it's a really interesting concept i want to look at i know we've had quite a few guests that have brought up that ter- the idea of integrity being such an important part i think it was kelly purdue we had on a few weeks ago he was the Winner of The Apprentice, uh, Season 2, and he talked about integrity being kind of that number one thing. He had a military background, and that yep. you know really tied in. It was a, a good story. But we've had a lot of guests talk about that being just such a core concept uh, for the people coming in the organization and for them to be successful in being able to, to give off some of that authority, give away some of that control and and, and let their companies
2: grow. You know, Chris, it's interesting you bring up the military. A couple of weeks ago I had an opportunity to do a presentation in Huntsville, Alabama. And again, that's another reason why, with no disrespect to Alabama, why I want to live in Southern California. (laughs) However, having said that, it was an organization called GovCon, which is made up of multiple CPAs, attorneys, Uh, technology people who are supporting the government initiatives. Mm -hmm. And in that, uh, at that meeting, I had the opportunity to meet uh, retired Army General Vincent Bowles. And he wrote a book on leadership, and and I would recommend people to take a look at it. And it's called 4321 uh, Leadership, and it's relating what he did in the military. Put aside, for those who like or dislike the military, put it aside, there was a comment that he had that stuck with me, and I think it ties to your integrity and values. And his focus was on trust. And he stated that as a leader, you don't control who trusts you. You only control the behavior that causes people to either trust or distrust you. So, again, the unwavering integrity, the values, the trust as a leader, Walk the walk, talk the talk, and the values will sprinkle down throughout your organization.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Are, are there, when you, I guess when you go in and you're working with these different business executives, are there, maybe what are some of the strategies you use to really help them become better overall leaders? I and mean, you talked about the five-star leadership. But there are there other things, though, that you kind of bring to the table to help them with that?
2: Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time. It all starts with strategic planning. And I know that's a really overused term. Uh, And for those organizations that go through a motion because that's what's expected, then it's not a very valuable tool. However, if you truly take a strategic plan and you start with your mission, vision, values... To go directly to what you're addressing, Chris, is to then come up with what I call the critical few initiatives. I went in and did a strategic planning retreat with a company, and I started off by saying, why don't we make a list of the initiatives that you guys are working on? And when they hit 100 initiatives, I thought this is kind of impractical to execute when we should have five or so very critical few initiatives that we want to focus on that could be executed within a short-term being the next calendar year, and identify two or three gross initiatives that will carry us forward into the future. If you take that process and then turn those critical few initiatives into specific plans, goals, objectives, measurements, and accountability for your people, you'll start to see the execution occurring correctly. The other part is to assure that you put the people in responsibility for what they can actually control. So to hold someone accountable for an area that they have no control over is probably not the most effective way. So again, it's taking that strategy, converting it to some critical few initiatives, putting in the accountability, and then giving the employees feedback on a regular basis as to how they're effectively executing. And then to have unwavering integrity relative to the values uh, when I was with IBM one of the comments that was made to us during our basic training is that under no circumstances at that time were you allowed to go in and disparage the competition it was one of the values of the firm uh, it was if it was reported you could be fired um, you know and it was basically show your strengths your opportunity understand your customer your client but don't disparage the competition. That was an example of a value that was carried over and beaten into each of our heads, and it actually became part of our measurement. We not only got compensated based upon sales attainment, there were some measurements that talked about are you meeting the values of the company, and those were well documented. This is what we expect you to do. Maintain a customer service, satisfaction level of 5 or four on a certain scale, and that was part of your compensation.
1: Well, I I know uh, with everything that you have uh, been able to do and uh, the different kind of stops along in your career, that you must have always been... Kind of actively learning and reading, and so one of our favorite questions is to ask our guests what they're reading right now because we get such really cool answers. So hopefully you have a great one for us.
2: Well, you know it's interesting. I mentioned uh, Vincent Bowles' book, and I just I just went through it and just completed it, um, and that's one that I would highly recommend for folks to take a look at. Again, retired General Vincent bold It's called Four Three Two One Leadership, and it's one I'm also reading. I'll also throw out to your audience what i love to read are fictions non mm-hmm. non-business related where i could escape and that becomes part of when you live on airplanes like we do it's sometimes fun just to escape and i love dan brown with all of his crazy type of ideas for the future
1: yeah yeah I, it's amazing uh, um, people that we have on the show those that travel the most seem to have fiction as a part of their <laughs> thing because they need a little escape you know they can't always have your brain turned on you have to let it just kind of go for a little bit sometimes
2: and you know Chris uh, on that point similar to a consultant I'll throw it out to your uh, those folks on your audience who are leaders understand just as a consultant you are constantly being viewed you're constantly being measured on value you're constantly being measured on are you walking the walk Mm -hmm. and I throw that out to leaders and I know that for many private small business owners there's a fear and an unknown, and uh, you know you look in the glass, and the guy looking back tells you you really don't know the answer, but you need to be able to walk that walk. So yeah. put it into practice.
1: Great. Well, uh, if uh, people are interested in learning more uh, about you and, and your company, uh, how can they do that?
2: You know, the easiest way is, I, and, and here's this great technical giant whose website is still being developed. So the easiest way is really to reach out to me, and if you're okay, Chris, it's via my phone, which is 714 area code 330 0678, or you can email me at ds. That's my initials at davidschaferconsulting.com. And the Schaefer is S-H-A-F-F-E-R.
1: And I imagine they could probably find you on LinkedIn as well.
2: You can find me on LinkedIn as well. It'll be that handsome gray-haired devil that still looks like he's 21.
1: Right. <laughs> well, Dave, thank you so much for being our guest today on the Talent Talk Radio Show. It's been a real pleasure having you, and we uh, look forward to having you come back, give us an update, or uh, talking to one of your uh, Many uh, consulting clients as well and uh, getting to know more about their businesses.
2: Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate the time.
1: So Conley Moss is coming up after this quick commercial break. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast and join the other 72,000 people who are downloading it every week. Uh, You can also listen to past shows. Uh, We've got uh, over a year of uh, great shows to to comb through and a lot of great guests. You can uh, find us either on octalkradio.net and click on the Shows tab and click Talent Talk, or you can go directly to our website, talenttalkradio.com. In the short time that we've been here, we've massed such a huge following, and we really appreciate everyone who's uh, listening and supporting us. My next guest is Connelly Moss. She's an HR executive here in Orange County. Don't forget, you can tweet your questions live for her right now by sending them to peopleg 2 and using the hashtag talenttalk. Hopefully, we can find a good question, try to stump her, make her, make her mumble or bumble or something, but... No, I think she'll, she'll probably have an answer for everything. I think, isn't that the role of HR—is to have an answer for everything? Colleen, why don't you go ahead and tell us about yourself and a little bit about your experiences in uh, in HR?
3: Okay, sure. Um, first of all, I'm I'm honored to be here. Thank you for asking me. I of course. Um, have been in human resources now for just about 20 years. It looks like. I kind of fell into it. I was in accounting, and for a manufacturing firm, and they needed somebody to hire and fire they called it personnel back in the day a very tactical role of HR right 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 right. and uh, the owners decided that I was good at that for some reason I was that people person so put me into that role and I did both accounting manager and HR manager for the manufacturing firm um, and realized that people and human resources is where my real passion was and ended up um, taking that role. So I was not degreed at the time uh, and went back um, later in life and finished my degree as well as getting certified uh, through SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. And uh, that's how I ended up then taking various roles on through the years in human resources and, and loved the profession. so.
1: What have been some of the key experiences that you've had over the last few years, you know, in that as, you know, kind of HR leadership role?
3: Uh, I would say the opportunity to um, be involved and, and really help my people. As you know, right now I'm in transition, so I am not with a specific organization, but I'm I'm now actually having a lot of fun um, talking to people and interviewing and had a great experience yesterday with an organization that involved doing an assessment center. So I found out a little bit more about myself, um, which I think is... I- imperative for mm-hmm. everyone, but human resources for me is is truly about um, caring about people. And I was able to do a presentation yesterday for the assessment center. That's what was assigned, and chose to do it on the subject of being happy. So I think you know it sounds kind of simple, and and uh, maybe an idea that people would say. I had somebody say, "Oh, it's it doesn't sound professional enough. You should make it sound." More complicated. And uh, interestingly enough, the CEO for this organization that I um, interviewed with yesterday had done an article for um, Smart Business Magazine last year and actually said, Happy People is what made the organization. And this is um, a very well respected organization. And then just this month, in hr magazine was a a full article about an eight page article entitled come on get happy so i i think that's what i bring to the profession and i think it's very important to look for happy people and and kind of carry that that attitude you know through Mm -hmm. the course of what you're doing with human resources so it
1: sounds like that idea of being happy really kind of falls into that company culture and you know, people being aligned with what's going on there so they can feel connected and, and ultimately happy with what they're doing, right? I mean, exactly. People get in, a, in most cases, people get in a car and they drive a long ways and they spend time away from other things they could be doing. And yeah, they get paid, but they want something more than than that for, for their time to to really be engaged and everything. So Absolutely. I'm sure that you've probably undoubtedly seen the some of the best and maybe some of the worst yes when it comes to company culture so maybe what are some of the attributes that you feel really lead to a great company culture
3: again i think it has to be genuine a genuine concern Um, and and again using that word happy it's a real easy thing to say but um, in the presentation that i put together yesterday i i focused on kind of a, a circle or a cycle of um, the employee. So looking to hire happy, um, asking those questions as to how and what makes that person happy and maybe behavioral questions relating to their past employment as to um, how they can describe the culture and, and what they bring to the to the um, position and, and to the opportunity, and then onboarding. I think um, very important. I think we lose a lot of people at that um, spot at that juncture mm-hmm. because we don't pay enough attention. And again, it has to be genuine. And there are organizations that I've been involved with say that that's what they do, um, but it it has to be real. and And I think the only way you know you really know that is by have that association that you have with um, upper-level management and and hopefully some very good experiences with their HR leaders which you know I take a lot of pride in that because I've been able to um, keep friends and associates and um, professional professional associations with people over the years because they truly respect me and know that I'm concerned about them as individuals. So I think that's a big piece of it as well.
1: And I read an article, actually I think it was a few articles over the last couple of years talking about onboarding. And one of the things that I remember really sticking out to me was they did kind of this comparison between two very similar companies, similar industries. They both had good cultures, good growth, good opportunity. I mean, there really didn't seem to be any great reason as to why one had higher turnover versus the other. And what they figured out was that it was their onboarding. And... The one organization they had the business cards and they had office supplies and they had things had ready. ready for that person the first day they showed up. Yes, and the absolutely. other ones they didn't.
3: Right, and and it sounds very simple, but again, I think those are they're they're simple. We we try to maybe make it a lot more difficult than it is. People want to be like you mentioned. They want to be thought of. They want to be mm-hmm. paid attention to. They want to be cared about, and.
1: And they want to work. They exactly. want to do their job, and if exactly. you don't have even a pen to even do your job, exactly. I mean, what do you, you know? Right? Yeah.
3: And 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 it, it really is, I think, truly um, a lot simpler than we make it. So, and then of course, in keeping the employees engaged and giving them opportunity and making again keeping them um, with that belief that they're cared about, and then finally, I talked about those people that as as they're leaving because. Uh, you know to be real employees are going to leave organizations whether the company decides that it's not a good fit for that person and or the person decides that they're going to have an opportunity somewhere else and i think i think companies lose so much at that point because it's all about building brand right and if you don't respect your people and you let them go in in a Disrespectful manner, you don't um, care about them in that exit, you know, position. What, what's going to happen then? What do you think that those people are going to take good feelings out to the market and say good things about the organization? And I think if if we paid more attention to what was happening at that point, mm-hmm. then um, companies would be a lot better off and, and building a better brand. So that's. That's kind of the life cycle of the employee that I, I see. And right, right. It's all about being respectful, I think, and um, with a genuine respect. It can't be people know if it's not real. Yeah. Uh, so
1: So I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, with the different organizations you've been involved in, you've probably had some pretty key leaders that you've had to work with, and, and, and some of them probably were, were pretty good. So in your opinion, what do you think really defines a great leader?
3: Well, it has to be communication and, again, really being involved, I think, with those who you are leading. And I, I think that's the most important piece of, of being a leader. You Obviously, there are things like being organized and, and um, being knowledgeable, all very important. But, again, I think leadership is more that... Um, that feeling that that you give to people that genuine concern and showing that that you have their interest at, at heart as well so um, i think what happens people try to get into that leadership role and um, maybe it's it's they're not truly connected to people and i think those are the people that maybe shouldn't they don't need to be leaders (laughs) you know they can be the people who are putting things together at a different spot in the organization because every organization needs different types of people and i think that happens we take the um a lot of organizations take the very intelligent people the people that know product the people that know accounting the people whatever and think that oh they can lead people right. but that's just not what happens it's 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 something totally different it's kind of inherent i think it, well, i it's think like, everyone's
1: had that professor in college who's an absolute master right. at that skill but can't teach right. worth a day. I right. mean, you know and you're like well how are they teaching right. i mean you know you could probably get a a first year teacher and they could read read the book and taught us better than that person who's exactly. an expert you know right so, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of uh, different skills to really be a leader and, and to, to do that. And I, I'm sure that, you know, effectively communicating is something, you know, you generally the HR has to do very, very well. So when they see other leaders in the organization not doing it well, it can be a rub and it can be frustrating. So very, yes. how do you then effective, make sure you're effectively communicating those things that are really important for the candidates to understand? Because I think this is a real balance. A lot of companies... And many times they're trying to show the, the employee how much they can do for them. But at the same time, you want to make sure that they're going to show up to do their part for the company. Mm-hmm. So how do you make sure you're, you're kind of communicating all the different pieces of that puzzle effectively so you get that right person at the right time?
3: As, as I'm hiring people or yeah. looking for the yeah. candidate? Um, again, as an HR professional, I think the most important piece for me is to believe in the company. Um, I think that's the only way you're going to be able to effectively reach the right people to bring on to the organization. So I think that's a start. I think um, you have to believe in what the company is trying to do and believe in the leadership of the organization to be able to then truthfully communicate with those candidates. Right. Um, Again, I think, as I mentioned, um, behavioral interviewing in terms of the attitude that the person is going to bring to the position, and I've been predominantly in retail and restaurants, so a lot of customer service-oriented type individuals um, is what I've always kind of been looking for, and mm-hmm. what I've what I've w- as in searching for them. What's been very important. So again, a lot of those questions surrounding how what their beliefs are about customer service and um, what they've done in the past to um, bring a, a positive attitude to their people um, that they're managing, but also to to their customers. So, so really to the internal or, or the external customer. And I, I think um, if you feel good about what you're doing as an HR person, HR professional, and you communicate that to that candidate, and then you draw them out to see how they have performed before and what methods they've used to lead people to manage people and to um, to be involved with their customers and and how important that is to them then those are you're gonna find the right people that way so mm-hmm. some more behavioral type questions that um, where you can kind of get to their soul and find out yeah. what's really happening instead of those um, like you mentioned just you know, Product knowledge, or how did you do this, and very—I yeah. um, I think a more comfortable, relaxed um, approach to candidates, and and trying to really understand what's truly important to them, what they can bring to the organization. Well, what is
1: it you think it is really important to them? I mean, are there certain like a list of things? I mean, that candidates. Well, again, it,
3: it probably would depend on the position, but again, in my well, situation, looking in yours, that
1: retail, you retail know, restaurant, restaurant, yeah.
3: Again, I think it's so much about uh, you know we talk internal, external customers, but um, customer service so very important, and I think you can relate that to both internal and external customers. So, um, some people, it's just not important. You know, you can tell by that. I I mean, I don't think it takes a whole lot of time in that initial kind of conversation as to the importance to that individual, Um, which isn't to say that's bad, Mm -hmm. but it's just not where they're supposed to be. I mean, I've had conversations when I've had to terminate people that, you know, I've explained, hey, this just isn't obviously what, you enjoy doing and 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 let's be honest with each other is it do you like greeting that customer do you like leading that person do you enjoy that connection with others and and you can generally get that no not really that's you're right is yeah. it really I just have paycheck yeah and and maybe that's at a lower level um position but even in you know, managing groups of people they're just as i said i think organizations take that person maybe that's strategic or knowledgeable or been with the organization a long time and put them into roles that you know they just should not be involved leading people and it seems like it's it to me it's a i can connect easy mm-hmm. it seems like and it 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 seems like an easy thing to find out about people relatively quickly right so
1: so if you know tomorrow you're you're brought on board by you know x successful uh-huh. company and they right. say now we need 50 of the most talented name name the, the title mm-hmm. w- where do you go how, how do you facilitate that I mean do you use particular resources or is there a process in place that you really use to to find those right. great people
3: um, again I I've been doing this for a while <laughs> so depending on where it is um, I'm here in Orange County, so I have a really good network of people to connect with um, and touch base with, and um, because of, of being with various organizations over the years, too, and developing a rapport with people, I generally have people that want to follow me, um, which is nice, and I, I feel very um, very good about that and, and honored that professional people who are good people feel like that so i think um there isn't i, I don't believe a shortage of talent and people that you know want to want to work and and want to do the right thing so um that networking um i'm with an organization or a, i'm sorry a group right now it's an executive boot camp and um she actually calls it net plane so i think it's it's a matter of connecting with people, and and again, being being genuine. People know if you're being real with them too. So I think that's a, um, a big piece of it. Yeah.
1: So. Well, being in HR, I'm sure that you're always uh, always learning something new. That seems to be a pretty steady trait with our uh, guests that we have in hr so i'm wondering what you might be reading right now that we could share with our guests well
3: um it's actually and I've, i'm just about a fourth of the way through although i knew the story of david marquette it's turned the ship around great and book. yes i think there's um a book club that i just uh became involved with that i was um this that, is I, the that, book I that i may reading. or may not have added to my <laughs> calendar that
1: i that were running That like i needed one more thing to do but, but Well, I'm
3: excited. It actually
1: came out of, we had, uh, and you'll meet them, we had uh, twin sisters who were both in HR on the show, and we were talking about the books, and after the show, they said, you know, you should do a book club. Oh, neat. And I thought, that's a good idea. We Uh, should do a book club, because we talk about the, the books are actually such a really important part of the show. Um, so many people ask about the books and I get emails and stuff, you know, what was that book that they said? And, uh-huh. you know, and we, we put that on our blog. We, we do a recap of every show we put it on a people G Two blog and we put the books on there for people so they can go in there and click and buy them. But this was the book that we're doing coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll be, we'll be, uh, reviewing it. And I just finished it and I, uh, not that I didn't want to read this book I just had, I, we had a couple other ones I was really interested in reading but everyone wanted to do this one so I said, okay, let's do that book we'll be democratic about it mm-hmm. and I ended up loving it mm-hmm. just loving it so it means, I know you said you're only a quarter way through but so far, kind of, what was your take on it?
3: Well, and again, I knew the story before I started reading the book and um, I think that was five or six years ago when I read the whole story um, it wasn't, again, it wasn't the book but I, I think that whole concept of Leader, leader. Again, is it's it's a respect for people, and that's what I think you see from David Marquette. He he truly respects others, Mm -hmm. and
1: um, that's a whole different way of thinking too. Right to tell someone how to do something versus giving them the power to to do it or to figure it out. But then, how do you communicate that? I mean, I don't know if you've gotten to the "I intend to" part yet, but it gets into this whole thing. With on the submarine, they started saying "I intend to." Mm do so and so so that way they were communicating to the to the leader in that particular area what they were going to do so the leader would say great so now they're in power right they're saying i intend to take the submarine lower great Mm -hmm. now everyone knows what they're going to do he's not asking permission constantly with this. ask permission get permission ask instead of just this is what i'm going to do great go do it make it happen right you know it's amazing
3: And, and empowerment that that whole idea i think it's obviously it it can work perfectly but i think both people have to be ready for it and oh, on yeah. the right page and the the official leader or that person who is actually in charge i think they also have to be ready to give good direction so it can't it, it can't be something that's just um, kind of thrown at people and say oh now you're empowered Right, so I, you know, it's a
1: yeah, Empowerment's not, hey, you go do the job right. and figure it out and let me know. Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> and they there's have to training or support. Right. There is, but it's right. a, it's a
1: frame of mind, I think. So.
3: Right, and well, again, I think it centers around respect.
1: Yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What's well, a fantastic book to check out? I hope you enjoy it. In yes, a couple of weeks, you'll you'll have some uh, good uh, things to contribute in the book club. And anyone out there who's listening, who's in Orange County, if you're a, an HR executive and interested in the book club, we'd love to have you. you. Can find us on linkedin the uh, ochr book club but our last question for you is we're just about out of time is if anyone's interested in learning more about you or maybe they want you to come in an interview for for their company uh, where how can they uh, get a hold of you
3: um i'm on linkedin as well okay so that's probably the best place to reach me um and And
1: c-o-n-a-l-l-e-e yes and then last name moss and you can look her up on linkedin And uh, they can reach you that way.
3: Yes, absolutely. And I'd love to network or net play with uh, anybody and talk about human resources and the profession and uh, how we can help make the world a... happier place. Well, when you land your, your next
1: gig, we'd love to have you come back. Tell okay. us more about that company and I'd give a little it. plug for them and and uh, certainly see how you're doing. So. Thank you. But thank Thanks you so for much for being me. our guest today on the Talent Talk Radio Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's about all the time we have. Uh, thank you again to my guests, David Schaefer and Connolly Moss. Tune in next week, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, to hear Cheryl Petrash. Petrash? Am I saying that right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Probably, probably not. Director of HR for uh, U.S. operations at Kupang. Uh, if I wasn't saying something, name was wrong, I wouldn't be a Tuesday, would it? At one. And also, uh, Sony Baines, the HR director at City Trends. So, have some great guests coming up next week. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.
0: You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities to cultivate talent. Brought to you by People G2.